It's Terrence Brown. Uh, these are the brownie points. Um, today's episode is going to deal with, um, we're going to be talking about intersectionality. Um, this is going to be a three-parter. Um, just for those that are listening, um, just to let you know, this is going to be a three-parter. I want to kind of cover a lot of things in light of everything that's going on in regards to this. Um, I think a lot of people are conflicted. I think there's a lot of contrarian thoughts and feelings and beliefs in regards to what is going on. I also think that a lot of people are also unveiling themselves in regards to their beliefs and how they truly feel in regards to this fight on systematic racism. Um, this fight on articulating and assimilating our lives, black lives, as mattering in a world where everybody else is supposed to be equal and equitable, right? So I think and see just in everything that I've been reading, all the reports, all of the incidences, um, all of the, the killings, all of the injured, um, my prayers go out to you. My prayers go out to your families. Um, my prayers go out to just all people in general, but particularly black people, because it seems to, like I said before, we seem to be receiving a blunt, the, the brunt of everything that is going on. And right now we're kind of under the gun in regards to um, things that are going on, literally and figuratively. Um, it's hard to say what is going to be the conclusion of everything that is going on, but in light of everything that's going on, um, there's an uproar. There has been, um, there has been some pandemonium, um, but not all chaos is bad chaos. And sometimes, you know, like I said, you have to be able to weather the storm in order to see what comes of it after the fact and the aftermath of all of this. I think there's, like I said, in previous podcasts i think there's a lot of narratives being drawn out in regards to ulterior motives and political stances on everything that seemingly kind of takes the place or masks what we really want in our society and in our world and not just for black people but for everybody um and in light of all of those things there has to be a consensus to need to change these things. There has to be a willingness to be able to understand and comply and comprehend why we need to change these things and why our society needs to be able to update, to reform, to, to alter some of the things that have been in place for so long in order to really understand that our world can be a lot more equitable and a lot more equal if everybody comes to the plate. And me saying this stuff, I understand in regards to my role and in regards to my podcast and the way that I think about things. I know everything and everybody is not going to adhere to everything nor be agreeable in everything that I that I say or believe and I understand that as a person and I understand that as a mind and I understand that in regards to my beliefs and I think everybody should be able to understand that in regards to the things that they wholeheartedly believe to be correct or believe to be righteous or believe to be accurate or um, or factual and everything that's going on as of now um, 
But really, we just have to understand each other as a people and come to the consensus that empathy and understanding the struggle that things that these things are going through and understanding the process of what we're going through right now, um, because this is nothing this is in history. This is nothing we've ever, ever seen before. And and that's a good thing on the front that there are lots of people who have come to the forefront and to some semblance believe that we need to change some things in order for our society to be better. And just in the narrative of that and just in the in the manifestation of people believing that that's positivity and that's change within and of itself. Right now we're seeing monuments falling down. Um, we're seeing um, a lot of people kind of awakening and gaining some enlightenment on the things that are happening and things to come. Um, and all of that stuff is great, but right now and as we go, right now we're taking we're taking tiny steps towards a bigger picture. And that is, you know, one of the most monumental things as of right now, regardless of how we came about it, whether people believe it to be good, whether people believe it to be destructive, whether people believe it to be chaotic, it doesn't matter. We are headed in a direction that is going to bring about the, the ambience of things to come. And we have to be prepared for that. And we also have to understand that our accountability and our knowledgeability has to be on the forefront and has to be there in order for us to be able to not allow people to limit themselves to the things that they think, but to awaken a perspective or to broaden a, a, a range of thoughts that could circulate around their conscious and um, and just be part of the world that we live in. Um, myself, in regards to my thoughts, by no means do I mean to be divisive, nor do I mean to bring division among people, um, regardless of race, regardless of ideology, regardless of your thoughts on um, systematic um, oppression, systematic racism, um, police brutality, any of those things that kind of fit into the relativity of um, just race and discrimination and prejudice and the things that are going on right now. And that's why I say um, I entitled this the intersectionality, um, specifically the intersection of race and religion is um, going to be this first part, this part one of three podcasts that I'm going to um, I'm going to publish, um, this is just the first part of it, where I really want to tackle and kind of talk about um, race and um, how it, um, how it kind of, not only um, the disadvantages depending on the type of person you are, um, but also how it coincides with religion. Um, I'm probably going to talk more so primarily Christianity, um, just because that seems to be more or less, um, one of the bigger religions here in the United States. Um, one of the bigger religions across the world outside of, um, um, outside of, um, being Muslim, the Muslim faith, um, Buddhism and, um, 
you know, those different types of religions. But I'm probably going to focus a little more on Christianity um, just because I have a lot more um, a lot more rhetoric and um, just experience in that faith in regards to um, in regards to my spiritual background and my religious background as well as coming up as a Christian and being a black male and how there's kind of there's a there's some confliction in some of the things that I believe and I think it's important to understand not only the confliction in the things that intersect in our lives and our different experiences but to also understand um where we draw from in regards to both our race our culture our heritage um, and in regards to our spirituality, our faith, what we believe in, in regards to the omnipotence of God um, and how they all intermingle and how they intertwine and also how there um, how there may be some some gaps and gray areas when we're talking about this. Um, so, like I said before, this is something um, very important to me. And I think it I think it's going to explain a lot of what we're seeing right now. And also, like I said, it's just like, I like to offer some history in regards to that, just because I think if you offer history in regards to why things are the way that they are now, then it kind of gives um, relevance to what we're seeing, what we're doing, um, and how people are positioning themselves in regards to their stance on everything that is happening as of now. Um, and like I said, it's just like for me as of now and having this platform, um, I think it's very I think it's imper uh, I think it's imperative and important for me to speak on things that are relevant as of now. Um, I think anything else outside of these things that we're speaking about um, is counterproductive. And I think bringing um, bringing awareness and that's kind of just my whole um, my whole initiative right now is just bringing awareness to people in regards to the things that they think. That's not to sit there and say that you should change what you think or alter what you think or me telling you that what you think is wrong. It's me. It's me just bringing a different perspective to light that may not have been um, in the forefront of your conscience and be like before. Um, so whoever is listening or whoever is out there um, wanting to seek that knowledge um I'm here for that. Um, and I just want to just let you know that I'm learning just as much as probably everybody else out in the world in regards to everything that's going on. So I continuously read and I continuously write and I continuously um, post things on my social media um, just to bring light and awareness to everything that is going on um, and also offering a perspective if needed um, to kind of reiterate why these things are happening, how these things are happening and why some sh and why these things should be happening right now. And I think in light of everything, um, change is inevitable change. Um, it may not come, you know, in this pretty, you know, this pretty gifted box with the bow, but, you know, at the end of the day, there's something to be gifted to us in regards to everything that's going on. And we have to understand that as a people. So that's where we're at right now. And just in understanding that, um, just in our forefront of everything that's going on, we have to understand that, you know, right now, if 
if a majority of people are saying and seeking and wanting change, then how can we be against that if that's the thing that people are wanting and seeking right now? So starts off with a quote, uh, a quote or an excerpt that I write, whichever. It is a misconception to ever contemplate that I myself would ever need a convoy of eloquent verbiage to unapologetically um, asservate the um, interpretation of things that have passed, things that have been presented, and things that will come to fruition. My stance, my beliefs, and my affinity for the truth acquiesce to the intersectionality that has been plaguing the simplicity of our everyday lives as human beings. Understanding the complexities of prejudices, discrimination, and disadvantages that we all face reiterates the focus of our convergence on um, oppression and the artillery necessary to engage. The premise of abolishing systematic oppression has never been about the scheme of colors um, that are being used to create art. But comprehending the notion that all colors need to be out of the box in order for an artist to really evaluate how to actualize harmonic beauty that can be portrayed in the portrait, despite shade or hue. So that was just something that I wrote in regards to kind of getting into what it is that I want to talk about. So intersectionality, um, for those that don't know what that is or don't know what it means. Um, I want to give you kind of a general definition of it and um, and why it's kind of pertinent to everything that's going on. And I'll give examples and just um, I just want people to understand that you as a person, regardless of your your skin color, regardless of your gender, regardless of your sexuality, regardless of your religious and spiritual beliefs, you have things in your life that are going to overlap and be independent of uh, interdependent of themselves in regards to the things that you think and the way that you consciously convey those things to people and in your conscious mind just your um just your analysis of those things and um and in those things we find you know we can find discrimination we can find disadvantage we can find prejudice we can find judgment um, just based on those things and not necessarily be upon ourselves, but those that are viewing us or those that we talk to in reference to how we speak on certain um, just certain facets of our life and the things that we kind of hold to importance in regards to just our everyday life and the way that we kind of walk in our lives. So intersectionality means the interconnected nature of social categorizations such as race, class, and gender, regarded as creating overlapping and interdependent systems of discrimination or disadvantage um, and a theoretical approach based on such a premise. And that's an Oxford, um, that's an Oxford dictionary definition of it. So basically, um, the framework of intersectionality is conceptualizing a person of group, uh, a person, a group or social problem affected by a number of discriminations and disadvantages. This is to say that whoever you are, whether you're an individual or whether you're a group of people 
or problems that have to deal with society, um, just could be social injustice or anything like that. These are the different types of disadvantages or discriminations that are pinpointed to you as a person. So for example, I am an African-American male. So if I'm an African-American male, there are stipulations to be to being an African-American. There are stipulations to being an African-American male. There are, dis, there are disadvantages to being an African-American male in education. There are disadvantages to African-American males in the workplace in regards to how much I get paid. There are disadvantages and discriminations towards me um, in the realm of being an African-American male just walking around in society or in the criminal justice system or in um, in the realm of equity when we're talking about when we're talking about laws, when we're talking about imprisonment, when we're talking about um, the commonality of being a human being towards others in regards to how people view us um, from other races. So all of these things that I'm describing are different discriminations, different prejudices, different disadvantages that I, as an African-American male, may be presented with in my everyday life. Um, there's judgment um, towards me um, in regards to the lifestyle that I live or um, an African-American male in poverty, um, African-American male um, with money or being rich. Um, that has its disadvantages, oddly enough. Um, and just the different complexities that come with who we are as people. And these are overlapping identities in regards to our experiences and the way that we understand the prejudice, the prejudices that we face as people. So that is the the kind of the conceptualization of intersectionality um, in regards to that example. Um, this word, just so we know kind of the origin of this world, this this word was coined by Kimberly Crenshaw. Um, she is a law professor as well as a social theorist, and she's the one that coined it um, in 1989, which wasn't very long ago. Um, she had a written a written piece in regards to talking about black feminism and um, just the critique of um, feminism and also being a black um, African-American woman, because um, what people don't fail to realize is that when you are lumped into a group of people, whether it be you're a feminist, whether it be you are a Christian, whether it be you are, you know, in the um, whether you be like your homosexual um, sexual orientation, um, your race, um, classism, any of those things, there is a hierarchy and there is discrimination and judgment and stipulations and ramifications within that subgroup or those groups that you intermingle in or intersect in. And like I said, um, for this episode, we're going to specifically uh, focus on race and religion. Um, I want to start it with race and religion just because, you know, right now we are in a time where race seems to be the cornucopia of people's adverse, um, kind of adverse, adverse, um, 
things and events that are going on right now um, in light of in light of this fight for systematic racism, systematic oppression, police brutality, um, Black Lives Matter, that movement and and just everything in light of that. So I think it's important to establish the importance of race to people. Um, race is probably one of the things that, you know, regardless of whether you're small or you're an adult, is one of the things that you are obligated, maybe forced upon you, um, and may also just be out of the, the curiosity and the sanctity of wanting to identify with who you are, your heritage, your cultural background, your ethnicity, um, your ethnic background, whatever, whatever, um, whatever you identify as, um, is something that we as people essentially, you know, mold ourselves, um, to kind of become whatever, whatever race or whatever, you know, person we are. So as a black man, for me growing up, there was, you know, my mom explained it to me as, you know, this is who you are. This is where you come from. These are your ancestors. These are the things that people are going to think of you. These are the things that you may not be able to do in society because Certain people think these things of you, and this is what people are going to identify you as when they see you, regardless of who you are, regardless of your personality, your temperament, your traits, regardless of how smart you are, regardless of how dumb you are. These are how people are going to see you, and I want you to be able to, one, understand it and comprehend it and know that that is not a that is not a hit at your character and understand that these people that are around you are going to be less knowledgeable about you than you are so it is your responsibility to know your heritage to know where you come from to get knowledgeable about the things that encompass who you are as an african american male and understand your history. And once you understand your history, you're going to be less likely to attack or to be belligerent towards people who don't understand what and who and where and why you are. And so that's kind of where I come from in regards to my recognition of being black and being the race that I am. And I and I also understand that for most people being in the families that they are and doing some of the traditional things that, you know, you may do based on your race, based on your cultural understanding and your cultural background and things of that nature. The same thing kind of goes with religion. I was raised in the church with um, my grandma and my grandma being a, a devout Christian and kind of in just kind of enthralled in the 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 world of Christianity and that being her religion and the things that she did and she taught me from 
that scope of things that, you know, reading to read the Bible, to learn, you know, to learn verses, to understand and comprehend what the verses meant in 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 reference to my life and the life that I should be living according to God and according to um, how Jesus lived his life, um, understanding um, understanding to love people despite who they are, what they are, where they come from, how they are, and um, you know what they are is it, it's all relative to me. So I come from an understanding of that religious background from from that type of spiritual background and like i said before for me there 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 was confliction between the two because of course they intersect with each other and um me being older now and you know have read through the bible and also, you know, lived the life that I have lived and been around other Christian people and been around other spiritual people and been around other black people and been around other races that differ from mine and being around other cultural condition or um, cultural um, traditions that differ from mine. Um, I had to there was some things that I myself in my own cognition had to combat and battle within myself in order to really understand one, who I am in my race and two, who I am in my spirituality. Um, and I think a lot of people experience those things. And it's not just from the forefront of just them being two separate entities. Cause like I said, they interconnect at some point, regardless of whether it's through experience um, through thought process, through the mentality that you walk around with, um, whatever different mottos or um, just things that we just think on a regular basis. Um, and there's a complexity to that. Um, but like I said before, being an African-American male, um, there was um, just with the intersectionality of things coming from poverty um, being around drugs, coming from a single parent home, an African-American mom that is a single parent, um, dad in and out of prison. Um, I mean, just those things all together were things that were deemed as stereotypes for African-American, African-American people and African-American children as a whole from, you know, the time of slavery. And it, I mean, and like I said, I always hate to bring it back to slavery, but it's relative to that because um, if you think about it, it's just like a lot of, you know, a lot of slave masters and people who owned slaves, the males were always the one to to die or to to be taken from their families and, you know, either given away in slavery or, you know, end up dead and left, you know, the females, the African-American women, you know, to fend for the children. And you see that now in this means of systematic oppression where we're talking about a race of people who still who still move in the systemic um parallel of what slavery looked back looked like back then but just another just a more updated system but the system still working in the same realm as it did in slavery 
So when we're talking about that, those same disadvantages that we had back then in slavery, they still exist. They just exist in a different form. Um, and and that's really where when we're talking about systematic oppression, systematic racism, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about things and systems and things that were put into place long ago just being reformatted to look they look the same but they're just reformatted in a way where it doesn't appear to look like oh it's racism or it's this or that but it really is it's just in a different format and right now that's what people are talking about that's what people are fighting for in regards to this change it's not it's not just updating um it's not just you know fixing the formula to where it works for the same people it works for we need to completely and utterly alter and reform everything to where it's equal and equitable for everybody but um like i said in regards to that um there was um there's some things that like we have to identify in that and you know one of my one of my brownie points is um, for this is we have to be able to recognize difference. That doesn't necessarily mean that's not to be divisive. That's not to tell you we need to divide ourselves because I recognize and I am coherent of the difference between us, right? Because I am an African-American male, there are going to be some commonalities between me and other African-American males because I am a quote unquote Christian, there are going to be some commonalities between me and other Christians in the way that we think and the things that we think about. But at the same time, within that group or within the individual as a person, there are going to also be differences. Um, the way that I am as an African-American male and the way that I've experienced life is going to be completely and utterly different from the way that another person experiences their life and experiences their equity and experiences equality and experiences their intersections and the different things and the different facets of life that they understand and have experienced as well as how they have pursued and personified their identity as a person within their race or within, you know, within who they are as a black person. Just as for example, um, if I am a, you know, if I'm a gay or, um, homosexual male or female, we may be in a group that doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to believe and have, you know, believe all of the same things. There is going to be some commonalities, but there's also going to be some differences. And that has to, that has to also reflect our reality as we live now. Um, just as in religion and in Christianity, there's going to be a group of people who are Christians and they're going to believe they're going to have some commonality because, you know, the Bible is kind of the cornucopia of what Christians believe to have happened and believe as a source of um, reference for the life that we're supposed to live if we hope to get into heaven. Um, there's going to be some commonality in that. But you also have to understand, too, that anything in this world is up for interpretation. 
how I interpret the Bible is going to be completely different from how pastors interpret the Bible, how people in the congregation interpret the Bible and the verses and things of that nature. And just in light of everything that's going on in the world, everybody has an interpretation of everything that is going on. And that kind of creates their opinion, their stance and what they believe to be true based on their experiences and based on the things that they've read, they've seen, um, they've heard um, and the people around them. So when we're talking about intersectionality, um, these are the issues and kind of the views that we have to kind of look at in order to really um, theorize what's going on. And one of the things that I think in regards to race and religion, I think I want to say and feel and think that I think white people, um, particularly, I think white people have a problem, um, in regards to the concept of intersectionality and that's not to say that every other race doesn't but I believe white people white people struggle with this and I think it's and it's not because it's by design necessarily I think it's because now that society is the way that it is now and we are coming closer to uh coming close to an equilibrium in regards to race in regards to opportunity, in regards to equity and the things that we're doing. We're far from it, but we are coming to that equilibrium. We're getting close to it. Um, I think I think white people particularly, and just like I said, this is my opinion. This is not to offend anybody. This is me just kind of from what my experience and from what I see and what I read. I think white people are wrestling with this a lot more than other people. And I think because if you take it back to slavery, white people own slaves, but white people also prided themselves on their religion, the, the primary religion being Christianity. Um, and, and Christianity, Catholicism, um, they prided themselves on religion and being good Christians and being, you know, being a person of service to other people and living a life that God was going to appreciate so that they could get into heaven. Right. So that was the com that was the commonality of most white people when you date back to Christianity and people reading the Bible. The intersection of race comes in when we talk about slavery and we talk about how can a person of the Christian faith be okay and matter of fact be be prideful of considering themselves a, a decent person, a decent Christian person in a world where you own and when you own human beings, when there are human beings who are not free, but then you have the audacity to call yourself a good Christian when in the Bible it clearly states that all people are equal, all people are, you know, they're in, they're deserving of love and respect 
um, and just things of those nature. The plight of the Bible and the plight of Jesus Christ was not not to discriminate and not to judge and not to criticize and scrutinize people, but it was to love everybody despite their flaws, despite where they come from, despite who they are, whether it's, you know, where they come from. And Jesus Christ was the representation and the ambassador of that. So now we're talking about religion versus race, and we're talking about race in regards to the intersection of religion. So there, there's a, there is kind of a dichotomy there. How can I be a good Christian person, but own slaves? And I think that's where the struggle comes. And now think about it now, as we turn it back to our modern day, there are a lot of white people out there nowadays. Uh, if you've you know been looking at things, looking at the news and just reports of everything, there are a lot of white people. Like I said, they're taking that veil off and they're taking that mask off and those true colors are showing. They're calling people out. Of, they're calling black people niggas. They are harassing black people. They are, you know, they are doing a lot of things that because there is a system and kind of a changing of the guard going on right now um, where we are demanding change and we are demanding things um, be equal. There's a lot of white people out there that are not having it. And these are some of the same white people who claim to be people of the church and people of, you know, of the Christian faith. It's kind of it's the it's the same thing. It's synonymous to each other um, just because we have to understand it as that. So I was talking to, you know, one of my friends, um, shout out to him, John Steele, um, shout out to him, love him, respect him. Um, but I was talking to him kind of on the same, you know, the same parallel in regards to the same topic of race and religion and just the intersection of it. Um, I think a lot of people fall in into a, you know, not a, they, they fall into the, the contradiction of if I believe in this, then how can I believe in that or how can I not believe in this? You know what I mean? How can I believe in Jesus Christ who died, you know, on the cross for our sins in order for us, you know, to have the chance to make it into heaven? But I'm out here calling black people niggers because all they want is um, systematic reform so that they have an equal opportunity and an equal chance to live in the same opportunities that white people do. Um, how does that work? Or you know, how am I, you know, how am I going to believe that God loves all of his children, but I'm out here, you know, I'm detaining, you know, Mexican children because they are quote unquote, not from here. They're immigrants, even though we all are technically for the exception of the Indians, every single one of us are immigrants, that are not originally from here. Our origins are not from the United States. They date back. I mean, if we want to get real, I'm like, everybody's the origin of everybody is from Africa. I'm like, so if we want to get real on that. And I don't want to go into that. That's a whole nother history lesson I'll give later on. But um, we're not from here. So how is it that I can sit here and read my Bible in church and God tell me, you know, to love your neighbor but I'm locking up my neighbor or God says, 
love your neighbor, but I'm calling my neighbor a nigger or I'm pointing guns at him because all he's doing or she's doing or they're doing is protesting for a better life or an equal life that you guys have that I do not at this current time in the state of the world and society and how it's in. Um, and that's what we're talking about when we're talking about the inter, the intersectionality of everything that is going on. And I think it's we have to recognize that and not oversimplify the language. I think that's another part of it, too. Um, people believe themselves to have a singular identity because they are one individual. And that's not true if we're talking about the intersection of the different things that we believe. Um, our experiences alone um, count as something. Being the gender that we are counts as something. Think about females in our, in our modern day society. And then think about if you're a white female compared to a black female. Or think about if you're a gay or um, homosexual female compared to a straight one. There are different disadvantages and discriminations that go with each. And we have to be able to discern each of those things based on um, based on the experiences of that individual. And we have to be able to understand that there is a diversity amongst individuals who are in groups. There are there are there is a diversity amongst Christians who believe in a God, but may have different interpretations, may have different beliefs, may have different walks of life. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's wrong, that it's not righteous, that it's different. It's just that's how we are occupied in our spaces. Um, and we have to be able to analyze those spaces, those spaces and those differences and be comfortable recognizing the difference in them. Um, just like I said before, um, occupation, that's a different thing. Me as a black African-American male um, may have the same job, same title as, you know, a Mexican, a Mexican male or a white male or an Asian male. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to get equal pay. That doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to get equal treatment. That doesn't necessarily mean that we are going to get equal opportunities. We may have the commonality of the same title. Um, we may have the commonality, the commonality of the same goal, upward mobility in the company or position or whatever it is that we're seeking to do. That doesn't necessarily mean that we will reach that goal. And that is the intersection that I talk about. And that is kind of the discrimination and the prejudice and um, the things that I talk about when we're talking about this topic. Um, it's the same thing. It's the same thing in the church. Um, I may be a person who, you know, I read the Bible sometimes, go to church every Sunday because I'm made to go. Um, and, you know, I may, you know, talk to my family and my parents who go to church all the time, wholeheartedly have read the Bible multiple times, have a good interpretation of things, remember verses and things of that nature. Um, like I said, those are two different dynamics of people. Yes, I go to church. There's the commonality. I may not know the Bible like the back of my hand, but I have read through it. I know verses. I may not remember my remember them all um, or can quote scripture, 
but I know of the, you know, the gist of the, what it's talking about. Um, but like I said, that's the intersectionality of, you know, that as well. Um, I think it's just important to understand that definition, that definition of it and just understanding what it means to kind of be conditioned, conditioned by your race, but also conditioned by your religion and your spirituality. Now, for me, um, I am comfortable saying that I don't believe myself to be a religious person. I believe myself to be a spiritual person in saying that I do believe in God. Um, I have read the Bible. I do believe there is reference. There are references in scripture that are applicable to my life and applicable to the walk of life that I um, that I try to that I try my best to um, to kind of walk a line with. But there are also things in the Bible and there are also beliefs out in the world that contradict or go against my my spirituality and go against what I believe as a person in a world that that I've experienced a lot of things in my life that have made me to believe that some of these things are not correct or they're not updated. I do believe that. I don't believe in denominations in regards to um, religion. I believe that is another. And then, like I said, this is my opinion. I believe denominations to be divisive. I believe them to divide people on their beliefs if they all believe in one God. And I believe that any like person that believes in one God, I believe it's the same God. And I think I think with denominations, they, you know, they highlight certain things that other denominations don't. And that's, like I said, that's my belief. That's what I believe. Um, you don't have to believe that. You can even be mad about it. It makes no difference. That's my belief and my interpretation of it. Um, and just kind of the gist of it and my evaluation of, you know, religion. And like I said, it's just, I, I don't believe myself to be a religious person. I believe myself to be a spiritual person. I do pray. I do talk to God. Um, like I said, I do read the Bible and I have read the Bible. Um, I believe that the scriptures and things in the Bible, um, do hold, um, are, do hold some type of applicable nature to our world as of now. But I also believe that there are things in the Bible that are not relevant to now. And I also believe that there are things in the Bible that don't necessarily cover the scope of different types of people and different things and different situations and different experiences that every single person and every single individual goes through. That I do believe. But the same thing can be said about race. These are, like I said, race and religion, whatever in my mind I conceptualize those phrases are, is the importance that I hold to them. So race, like I said, can be the same thing. There are black people out there, Mexican people, white people, Asian people, you know, um, Indian people, silk people, um, just any type of people. There's a lot of people out there who who may not even know much about their heritage, don't know anything about their cultural background. They just know that they are that, that they are whatever race they are, and that's how they live their life. They don't live their lives necessarily um, ignited by their race per se. 
because usually people don't start to become conscious of their race until experiences have led them to be that. Um, me being pulled over by the police in broad daylight made me conscious of my race. Me um, being pulled over in my car has made me conscious of my race. Um, people talking to me um, a certain way or asking me questions that would be deemed stereotypical or deemed as discriminatory or prejudice has made me conscious of my race. Um, so because I've been made conscious in, in those, in those formats, I've had to kind of consummate knowledge and understanding of my cultural heritage and of slavery and of history to really reiterate for myself why race is important to me, not because of the scope of the things that have been placed upon me in a negative manner or in a negative connotation, but because I want to know more about who I am and what I am. So I'm able to teach and make people aware of who I am, what I am and why I am. So it's, it's deep stuff. Like I said, it's just, it's things that one, we need to be mindful of. And two, it, it, it's a lot of, you know, things that affect us. Race and religion being probably two of the most predominant things that affect us as individuals. Because for race, you can't get away from who you are. You are who you are when you're born. You can't get away from that. For a lot of people, religion, you can't get away from that because for a lot of people, um, a lot of people grow up in religion. A lot of people grow up in the church, grow up, you know, Christians, grow up whatever faith, whatever faith based, um, you know, ideology that, you know, has kind of brought their mentality to fruition as it is and as it stands. A lot of people grow up in that. So sometimes you may not have any choice in that. As a baby, you may have been grown, like brought up in the church and brought up on scripture and brought up on a, a way of life that you're supposed to live. And if you were contrary to that lifestyle, then you were demonized for it. Uh, for a lot of people that are in religion and in Christianity, unfortunately, um, just because, you know, some people are a lot more conservative about that, just because religion has been passed down from generation to generation. And a lot of people hold that to, you know, to high importance in their life and in their livelihood and in the way that they walk in their life, that that's something that becomes second nature to them. So it, it's understandable that, you know, people look at it and review it as such. So, I mean, that's just how it is. Um, but I want people to really like understand that it's um, that, you know, race and religion and the intersect and the intersection of it, they're, they're synonymous in different, they're synonymous they're synonymous in the fact that they are conceptualized of highest importance because it requires it requires focus, requires knowledge, it requires an intimate, you know, study of those things, whether it be, you know, the study of your culture and ethnicity, whether it be the study of Christian Christianity, the Bible, um, and just things of that nature. So they intersect in a way. And I um and I just thought that was like probably a good topic to, to start with. 
Um, but I more so want to get into how a lot of this stuff is relative to racism and kind of the intersection of it and how kind of the modern day church and modern day, like I said, I'm using Christianity just because that's the one I'm most associated. I associate myself with because of my my spiritual background in Christianity and growing up in the church um, in Christianity. So don't take this as a hit, you know, or me, you know, being um, or scrutinizing Christianity. This is just from my experience, what I see and what I've kind of developed as my my stance on things in talking about intersectionality between them and the intersection of race and real and religion. But um, like I said, in either and or, if they are important to you, then you need to do your due diligence in understanding both. Um, if you're a religious person, understanding your religion and kind of the dynamic of it. If you're a person that places race and um, of um, are placing race as of importance, which I would think in this day and age, and I would think as of now, given, you know, all the situations and circumstances, I think race is very important right now, um, especially when we're talking about, you know, um, changing the schematic of, you know, how we view um, the system in regards to racism. Um, I think it's important right now to understand your cultural background and to understand the things and your to understand stereotypes and discrimination and the prejudices that may go against you as a person regardless of what race you are i think it's all important so um understanding the intersection of that is very important and i want people to to get that from the things that i'm saying and kind of just do your own you know your own studying just look up things about it like i said this is for me it's a constant thing i've been looking up stuff i've been reading and just trying to really figure out, you know, how these things all intersect and how they intermingle and what's their importance to me as a person, as an individual. And I want you guys to understand that, too. There's a couple questions that as a person. They're, they're hard questions for people when we're talking about the intersection of race and we're talking about the intersection of race and religion. They're hard questions to ask and they're hard questions to answer because they're so loaded for any person that that comes across them. Um, one of the questions, and this is in regards to race, um, just for myself and a question that I actually was asked on my social media platform is... How can I be an African-American male and be pro-black, but be married to or dating somebody that is not of my culture? That was a question that was asked to me. And I thought that was a very interesting question, um, just because I had never been presented with that question in regards to race. Um, and honestly, I had to think about it. And I also had to think to myself, my initial question to myself in regards to that, that synopsis of what I like, what I talked about was, does being pro-black and being a person of my heritage and understanding my heritage make me less black and less knowledgeable of my heritage in regards to being pro-black because I'm not dating a person that is black or I'm not dating a black woman? 
And I had to really sit there and think about that because it was a good question. And it wasn't a question to make me like angry, but it was a question. I think when we're talking about race, it was one of those it was one of those intersecting questions. Now we're talking about, you know, the intersection of my culture and heritage and interracial marriage or interracial dating. So there's another kind of fold to that race, to that intersection of, you know, race along with, you know, this dynamic. And that was kind of how I answered it. I was, I answered it as, you know, I have always been black. I've never associated myself with anything else and I never grew up anything else. Black is who I am. And so black was the culture that I was in engrossed in um, the African-American culture. Um, and that's what I'm accustomed to. Now, being with somebody has nothing to do with race or ethnicity. It has everything to do with character, how you mesh together. It has to do with the love that you have for that person. And I... Unfortunately, people believe love to come a lot more easier if it's with somebody of the same race. And that's not necessarily true. That is based on your interpretation of it. And that is based on your experience of how you love people. But for me, if I'm going, if my synopsis of love is that God put love in the world for me to fall in love with any and everybody whom I feel a connection with, then that's not contingent upon what race they are. And that was kind of my answer to that question um, in regards to that. And I went into a lot more detail about it, but I thought it was an interesting question because that is an intersection of race and ethnicity that a lot of people don't talk about. Can I still exude black pride and black you know, and still encompass and exude the the heritage and culture in which I come from, but be with somebody that's not of that same culture? Yes, I absolutely believe you can, because I'll never stop being black. And this is the culture that I originated from well before I married who I married or well before I dated who I dated. Um, and that's kind of that. And I just thought that was an interesting question. And I thought it was a good, you know, start to this part of the podcast um, when we're talking about this. Um, another question kind of on the side of religion. And um, like I said, on the part of, um, like I said, I'm just exclusively talking about Christianity, particularly just because um, that's, you know, where my, my background and that's, you know, where I came up in. Um, one of the questions, um, and this, this question is probably universally or universally, um, taboo to most people of the Christian faith and kind of, um, the part of sexuality. Can you be a Christian person and be a person of the Christian faith? Um, and believe in or be a part of or support gay marriage or um, homosexual relationships. And 
it wasn't a question that was asked to me necessarily, but because we're talking about the intersection of race and we're talking about the intersection of religion, I think that is applicable to this conversation. Um, and for most people, most conservative Christians, the answer would be no, you can't. And, you know, the conservative Christian will spout out these different verses where the Bible and the, and then in their interpretation clearly states that, you know, these types of unions are, you know, they're un, you know, they're unclean and they're, you know, they're sinful and they're a condemnation to, you know, to their lives as people. And, you know, I have a different perspective on it. I truly do. Because like I said at the beginning, the Bible is, you know, more or less a literary, a literary piece of work. Okay. It's literature. You read it and you interpret what is being said in that literature based on your experiences, based on the way you think, based on your mentality, based on how you feel and what you're willing to, you know, support and what you're willing to not support. So my perspective on it um, is I think they can coexist. I think you can be wholeheartedly a Christian person who reads the Bible, who goes to church, and also be able to support gay marriage to support, you know, those types of relationships, because at the end of the day, in my opinion, I don't care about what anybody else thinks in regards to it. In my opinion, if God is all knowing, if God is all, you know, if God is omnipotent, if God is all loving, um, and then if you look at kind of the directory of the stories, the different stories of Jesus and the things that he did in his lifetime. Um, I, I think it's possible. Matter of fact, I, I'm pretty sure it's plausible. And I believe that because if God is the if he's the epitome of all love and Jesus Christ and, and Jesus Christ being the manifestation of his power, his spirit and loving all of the people, no matter who we came across, then it's possible. And I don't think people should be demonized or be made to feel guilty or be condemned because their lifestyle is contrary to mine as a sing or as a as a straight male and I don't think they should be condemned for that. And that's my opinion on it. Uh, and like I said, there's going to be a lot of people that have contrary opinions. Mm, I don't really care. Um, it's your opinion. It's your interpretation of what you think in regards to that. And like I said, if we want to go the Bible versus route, you know, you can use Bible verses or Bible scripture to kind of reiterate that point. If we're talking about God's love and we're talking about how God loves us, that he gave his only begotten son to 
to be a person, to kind of be the scapegoat for our sins and our transgressions in this world so that we may be, be able to make it in heaven, then why are those people different from us, right? And when I think of that and I think of homosexuality, I think of how black people were treated. Like black people were treated the same way. We were treated as a condemnation to the world because in the eyes of slave traders in the eyes of slave owners and in the eyes of those who were hunting us down in the eyes of those who were lynching us in the eyes of those who were raping pillaging um villages in africa and bringing us over in votes and boats to be killed to be sold they didn't think our life to be to be redeemable in the eyes of god and these are the same people who were Christian people. And like I said before, this is not this is not an attack on anybody that's of the Christian faith. This is me more or less giving a synopsis of history and how it kind of intersects with what I'm talking about. But by no means am I, you know, criticizing or you know, passing judgment on what's going on. I'm simply stating facts of what had happened and how it is kind of synonymous to everything that's going on now. Um, but like I said, that was a question that I think a lot of people, you know, would consider one taboo or consider, you know, the extreme sides of things and not kind of hear the perspective out because, um, I, you know, like I said, I think any and everybody has a chance to get into heaven despite your sexuality, despite your sexual orientation, despite your race, despite who you are, despite what you believe in. And that's sad. If we follow the rules of the Bible or, you know, if you follow the rules of the Bible or you, you know, whatever you whatever system of rules or rationale or righteousness that you, you know, you deem to be, you know, correct. I think everybody has a shot in getting to heaven. And that includes homosexuals and gay people, period. I don't believe that is just exempt to straight people. And I think a lot of people on the conservative side of things would think that. And I don't think that. And like I said, that's just, that's my opinion on it. And I don't think it's right for people to who are of, you know, the Christian faith or any other faith to automatically condemn somebody or judge somebody based on the walk of life that they walk. And, you know, that's a whole nother thing. But I think it fits into this whole this whole um, topic of, you know, religion and the intersection of different things, because religion, sexuality and you know, the intersect the intersection of sexuality and religion is a huge thing in, you know, in the Christian world and, and in Christianity. And, you know, it has kind of adopted a lot of the notions and preconceived notions that people have when we're talking about, you know, we're talking about sex, when we're talking about, you know, marriage, when we're talking about sex before marriage, when we're talking about you know, things of that nature. But um, 
I'm only presenting the question um, just because we're talking about religion. Um, but I, you know, in another part, I will dive deeper into sexuality, the intersection of sexuality, sexual orientation and um, and religion, because I think it's important for us as people to have those talks as well. Um, I think there is, you know, I think there is a discrimination and a disadvantage for people of, you know, people that are gay, people that are, you know, homosexual or fall into that realm of things, the the LGBTQ um, realm of, you know, uh, kind of that group. I think there is a discrimination towards those people when we're talking about spirituality, spirituality and religion. And I don't think that's fair to them. And I don't think that's fair to anybody if they're being judged. If we're talking about don't to to not judge people based on who they are, what they are and how they walk in life. And that's just, you know, case in point in regards to that. But um that that was an interesting question as well. Um, I think one that's more synonymous to just race and religion altogether um, was, you know, the the question that was brought to to my attention that I thought it was an, also an interesting question was, you know, as you know, as a black man um, being the de being a descendant of you know slaves. Um, do I, you know, do I have the right as a black man to con to condemn, you know, the descendants of people who are slave owners, but also proclaimed and, you know, exuded the Christian faith? And do I have the right to condemn those people and condemn the religion as a whole? And do I have, you know, and... And even further in that question, and I think this is more so kind of the part that I wanted to kind of address is that as black people being descendants of slaves, you know, and having to kind of consummate the religion that um, that white slave owners had, because we had to be in church with them just because the the slave owners thought you know black people you know were condemned and needed to repent of their sins and being cleansed you know of the things that they've done wrong and you know and that just being living living um living as slaves was considered condemnation amongst white people because we were considered unclean and unholy because of where we come from and because we weren't considered equal. And that's the reality. And that's coming from the the background of people who, you know, who enthralled themselves in the Christian faith. And that's how they considered us as like when we were slaves and back in slavery. So me as a black man now in the modern day, am I, you know, and why, why as a black man in this modern day, knowing what I know about Christianity and how it affected black slaves, why do I as a person and many black people who fall in this predicament, why do we still hold on to the, the Christian faith? And why do we still, you know, keep ourselves within that realm of faith? And I thought that was a really good question. 
Um, because think about it. If I am a slave and I'm forced to work in a field or I'm forced to do my master's bidding, um, and that includes being forced to go to church because I'm unholy, I'm unclean, and I need to sanctify my soul because of that, because simply because I'm black, um, I'm unclean and unholy. Why have we as the African-American culture adopted that specific religion to our cultural underpinnings? And why hasn't that been debunked by African-American people? And that's specifically the question. And it's a hard question because we're talking about we're talking about race and we're talking about the intersection of why race exists in the way that it does. And we're talking about racism and we're talking about, you know, privilege over, you know, we're talking about privilege and power versus, you know, ethnicity and and race and, you know, how we debunk all of these different things. And I myself thought that to be an extremely hard question to answer. And the first question that comes to mind when we're talking about when I when I ask that question is when we speak of religion, are we in fact talking about race? And I think that also because there's so many questions, there's so many layers to race and religion, we have to kind of differentiate our exploration and the discourse of religious practices, our religious differences, the denominations and the classifications that come along with, you know, that, and then the way that we express ourselves in religion, um, and then how that is also synonymous to how we express ourselves as a race, um, and our racial differences, cultural differences, ethnic, you know, differences, and just the class and our practices as, as a race. And so one thing that I had to kind of learn in that question, because honestly, I couldn't give a, I couldn't give a specific answer to it. I know just based on what I've read that Black people as a whole have always been spiritual people. Um, they have always been a people of hope. They have always been a people of positivity, a people of light. Um, and that's just how I view it. And I'm not saying that because I'm a black male and I'm talking about black stuff and race. I'm saying that because even through slavery, Black people found hope in things. They found the positivity in things. Um, even through, you know, what we're going through now, Black people still find positivity. They find hope. And because we find that hope and because we find that positivity, we are able to spur on the things that we, you know, that we're doing and we're able to make an impact because of it. But as an idea, I think religion and race are, you know, our ideas or ideologies in our head and we place importance on them and we kind of give them form based on the importance that they play in our lives. And, you know, the assumption of, you know, race and religion 
is that, you know, because they're important to us, they they're classified more so as cultural terms. And that can be true because one, you know, race is obviously having to do with culture and ethnicity, but religion also is synonymous to our cultural beliefs and the things that we do, especially if you're a person like myself that grew up in the church or grew up, um, you know, Christian or grew up around, you know, you know, the values of, you know, religion and church, the Bible and things of that nature. And they're constructed ideologies that we kind of run with. And like I said, it's just black people as a whole are, you know, very spiritual people. And because of that, we we kind of, you know, assimilate ourselves to whatever religion that may be because we're such spiritual people, regardless of if it's the Christian faith, the Islamic faith, the Muslim faith, um, and just things of that nature. We just kind of that's who we are. And that's kind of how we assimilate ourselves to that. Um so, you know, one way, you know, that we, you know, I try to put it as, and I thought this was probably the best way to put it is that, you know, religion is not a thing itself. This is my religion. That is their religion. It, it's not a thing itself, but religion is something that is done, something that is executed. It's an action. Um, so when we're talking about that and kind of the intersection of race and, you know, religion, it, you know, it's a little bit different. So with, you know, race, you know, it's going to it's going to be a little different just because when we think of race, you know, it like I said, there are cultural realities for us, depending upon what we grow up with and how we kind of exude excuse me, how we kind of exude um, how we live in those things. But um, the practicality of them exists with everybody. Um, even if you're a person that doesn't, you know, consciously, you know, proclaim religion or consciously proclaim race, they are embedded in our cultural understanding of who we are. And I think that that has to make sense for most people um and like i said for us race is not a biological state um necessarily it is a form of personal social and political classification that structures how people think and act and i thought that was an interesting way to put that um so i'm reading this from um religious bites and that was the way that they put it um so not a biological state. So my race is not necessarily based on, you know, my biology, my DNA, but it's more so based on personal, social and political classifications that structures how people think and act. Now, we can go off of that. I mean, if we want to use that representation of race, um, just as the representation of religion is, you know, things that we do in regards to our actions, in regards to things that we practice. Um, but it's one of the things that, you know, 
it's one of the things that for race it's one of the things that we use as you know to organize and govern difference and it's the same thing with like i said denominations in race so if race is a universal thing and it's a cultural thing and if we break it down to black people white people these people that people now it becomes an organization or a governing a, a governing concept that that kind of exudes difference and how we think of those differences is based on each other stereotyping um scrutinizing criticizing each other as people same thing as religion oh i can't believe in the islamic faith because they do this 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 and that or i can't believe in the christian faith because they do this 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 and that can't believe in the boot and in, in buddhism because they do this 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 and that so not only do you is it governor uh governing can't even say my words right now but it also organizes that difference but it also it also leaves the door open for those different types of prejudice discrimination and even disadvantages because we believe or because we are part of this race or because we believe in this religion and i think people have to understand that and and I, I think it's just so simple to understand and empathize whether, you know, we agree or disagree that we all coexist in this world and that, you know, despite what we believe in as human beings, our thinking and the way that we practice things have a commonality within and of itself. Even though I'm of the Christian faith or somebody's of the Islamic faith or somebody is of, you know, Judaism or Buddhism or you know, Catholicism, any of these things, there is a ritual, there is things that we are accustomed to doing within those religions that are synonymous in regards to the religious part. Just as for me, myself, being a spiritual person, I myself have the commonality with, you know, the Christian faith because I believe in God and I pray and I read the Bible and I talk to God. There is a commonality in that. Um, there's a commonality in me believing that there is a heaven and that there is a hell. And then, um, you know, depending on the life that I take on, um, God is going to judge me based on that. I do believe in that. And there's a commonality in that, despite what my my view is on the denomination part. Um, same thing with race. Um, regardless of if I'm black or I'm white or I'm Mexican or I'm Asian or I'm Middle Eastern, all of these things, there is a commonality in us all being human beings and all and all of us um, engaging in the human experience. So why do we find it? Why do we always find it necessary to find difference and division instead of finding unification and solidarity regardless of if we believe or view the things or view things in life the same and that's just a question i'm throwing out there just because we're talking about this intersection of things going on and and, and it's funny because in this modern day it's like i see a lot of the 
the the the younger aged people being a lot more you know they're a lot more inquisitive when they talk to their you know their parents about race when they're talking about religion and the things that we believe in whereas you know 40 to 50 years ago whatever religion whatever race you were that's who you were and this was the you know the list of things that you could do these were the list of opportunities that you could engage in these are the things you couldn't do these are the people you couldn't talk to these are the advances that you couldn't make and it was just a lot of things that were loopholes to people now that don't exist and i'm proud of that in regards to our progress as as humanity kind of evolves and kind of gets the plight of all of this and finding more unification than we are division and being able to create a world that is coming together as opposed to pulling apart. And, you know, don't get it misconstrued. We are far away from that, but we find it as years and decades and centuries go on that we are making progress as a whole. And I think in regards to that, understanding the things that work against us, and I think in regards to this conversation, racism, discrimination, violence, genocide, slavery, police shootings, mass incarceration, it works against all of us. And understanding how they intermingle with other facets of our lives and other beliefs and belief systems that we have in place in our lives as individuals and as and as groups i think it's important to understand those different connections and i don't think a lot of people do you can totally and utterly be a conservative person and not be racist. Because um, I think a lot of people have that in mind too. There's conservatives out there that are racist. Uh, or most conservatives are considered racist, which would be the stereotype. But I believe there's conservative people that are not racist. But I also believe that there's liberal people that are, you know, would be racist as well. And that'd be the other side of the spectrum. But just in that thinking, we have to be able to kind of broaden our perspective. Um, I think the most important thing in talking about, you know, the intersection, the intersectionality of, you know, the world that we exist in, it's not about, it's not about displacing the blame or it's not about, it's not about victimhood. I think a lot of people get it misconstrued when we're talking about intersectionality because you are basically listing the different disadvantages you have as a person depending upon your race depending upon who you are what you are what you grew up as where you come from and I, and it's not about that it's about understanding what certain people go through who come from similar backgrounds or who come from similar races or similar groups or have a commonality in the things that um that we believe in and I think a lot of people have to understand that because I am a black African-American male. 
That doesn't mean my experience is going to be the same as another African-American male. Or is it going to be the same as or it's not going to be the same as an African-American female. Or is it going to be the same as a white male or Mexican male or his or or an Asian male or Middle Eastern male? Our lives are not going to be the same, but there is a commonality in some of the things that we will come across in our experiences. And I think understanding those experiences and understanding and empathizing with those things is going to bring unification despite despite my, you know, the way that I view other people, the way that I view race, the way that I view religion, despite all of those things. And I think that's the brownie point that we have to understand in that. Um, we have to be able to be a lot more mindful of our togetherness than our division or the things that differentiate us. And I think that's important. As I was saying um, before, um, when we're thinking about race and when we're talking about race and religion and the intersection of them, um, there are obviously different differences in between them and if we're looking at it from um just the superficiality of you know the popular definitions races you know the outward outward appearance or you know about skin color whereas religion is about the internal where it's about faith and belief um race is more so associated with biological inherited and religion is the fundamental choices and um, things that we, you know, believe in or associate our, our mentality with in regards to the walk of life that we take on. And those are more so from, you know, the, from the basis of race being, you know, in the synopsis of native nativism and the primordial Whereas religion points out the transcendence and otherworldliness when we're talking about God and we're talking about heaven and hell and, um, you know, the spirit. Um, and I think, you know, it's good to know those differences, but there also has to, you know, there's also a commonality in the importance that we place upon them. In our society right now, race is a big thing just because we're talking about equality and we're talking about systematic racism, which you know, in part is the experiences that people have in regards to their race. Um, and I think that's why it has been an ideology that has been so powerful in our society because of how the expectation of what we believe to be equal and what we believe to be unequal has has not met up. And, and because we live in a world that it's not necessarily equal people are finding the the disparity in it and that's what they're fighting for just as in religion people with the ideology of religion or christianity or any other religion that may be out there there is the disparity in what people believe or the faith-based behind or the origin behind it in regards to the life that you're supposed to live because at the end of the day you know in regards to religion and like i said this is my opinion um who's to say you know gets into heaven and who's to say goes to hell and who's to say 
you're walking the white right life based on the things that you're doing and who's to say that you're not unless you're God himself. And, you know, I see a lot of that. I see a lot of people weaponizing religion, weaponizing, you know, weaponizing race or, you know, you utilizing it as a catalyst to to be at odds or to be, you know, different from other people. And it shouldn't be that way. Um, if these are things that empower us as people, if you like for me as a black male, I feel empowered because I'm black, because I know my heritage and my and I pride myself on the things that I know about my heritage, um, about our resilience as people and about the things that make me strong because I'm African-American. Um, the same thing in my spirituality and believing in God. I feel empowered. I feel hope. Um because of my faith and the things that I believe about God and I and I believe wholeheartedly in my faith. And I think people need to take a stance in that perspective in the positive parts as opposed to the separation that people seemingly draw themselves towards. And I think that's where we're at in the world. I think right now we're in the in the midst of not only internal wars for each individual at hand, but also, you know, wars within, you know, what we believe as a race, what we believe in regards to religion. And I, I think a lot of that stuff is playing out as of right now. And it, it's fascinating and it, it it's inevitable, but it's also, it's also to say that, there are people out there who are either strong in their convictions or they see something and they're being swayed because it's the right thing to do or it's the wrong thing to do. And, and you're seeing that in action. And I think that's remarkable in and of itself because, you know, Change is inevitable, despite what type of change or despite your perspective on it being good or bad. It's inevitable. And history has shown us that. And when things are not correct, we as a people find a way to to not correct it, but to rectify it to where it's better than it was before. And. I think that's where we're at in regards to our humanity as a whole. I think that's where we're at in regards to to racism and systematic racism and systematic oppression. I think that's where we're at when we talk about religion and when we talk about, you know, how we vindicate ourselves and the things that we believe, our spirituality and what happens to us. Um, in our life, depending upon the things that we do that are good, depending upon the things that we do that are not good. Um, so, yeah. Um, and I just kind of want to conclude with that just because this is a three part series for, you know, this podcast. The next part is going to be, you know, I'm still going to be talking about intersectionality, but the second part to this is going to be about sexuality and um, religion, which, you know, I think is very important, especially when we start talking about, you know, gay marriage and we start talking about interracial marriage and then we start talking about sex before marriage and just 
just the things and the stipulations that go with that and what the Bible says, as opposed to what is going on in our modern day. And I think it's important talks to have, especially if you're a person of faith. Um, I think all of these things are important, of course, but I think if you're a person of faith and I think if you're a person who, you know, may not be a person of faith, I think regardless, conversations need to be had. We need to have conversations about systematic racism. We need to have conversations about police brutality. We need to have conversations about, you know, anti-racism, non-racism and racism or racists in, in the world. Because I think all of these conversations are going to lead to the change um, that we are for that is forthcoming. And and if we are having these conversations, we're not going to sway people to to rethink what they believe. But having the conversation is to say that we are listening to each other. And in that commonality, we are all being heard. And I believe that to be important in all of this. So I think it's important to talk about these things. And, um, you know, if I have to leave you with a point right now, I think, you know, as you know, as kids, parents, pastors, um, adults, whether you're from a specific race, whether you're from a specific religion, denomination, um, faith, I think we all need to have conversations about these things, especially the things that are going on right now. Um, because regardless of, you know, anything and everything, and regardless of how everything turns out at the end, um, these conversations are at the cusp of altering the world as we know it. And every single opinion, every single interpretation, every single thought, every single contemplation of everything that's going on right now matters right now. It's important to everybody. It's important to black people. It's important to white people. It's important to Mexican people. It's important to Asian and anybody who lives in our society and um, and engrosses themselves in our in our American culture. Um, I think it's all important. So, um, like I said before, have those conversations. Don't shy away from those conversations. I don't care if you're a kid talking to your parents. I don't care if your parents talking to your parents. I don't care if you're, you know, a member of the church talking to your pastor. There is no hierarchy in your knowledge and in your basis of knowledge in regards to the people that you're talking to, because we all learn in a different way. And we all learn something when we're listening and when we're being heard and when we're hearing people out in the things that they believe, regardless of if we agree with them or not. Um, and that's just, that's just how I feel about it. Um, but before I end this podcast, I just want to shout out, um, a couple of names, um, rest in peace to these people. Um, and in the things that they, that they've done, um, I, I send prayers out to their families and the people that they love. And, um, I hope they're looking over us and, um, you know, in pride and in happiness and the change and in the things that we're doing. And I hope that they find peace on their journey and in the things that they will be doing now. Um, rest in peace to Vanessa Gillen. 
Um, I hope I said that correctly. If not, I apologize. Um, Amani um, Kildia, um, Summer Taylor, and Elijah McLean. Um, rest in peace to those people. Um, I hope they get justice. And I hope the people that have done these awful things to these people are brought to justice. Um, it's not a race thing as well with this. It, it's justice. Justice for everybody. If you do something wrong, then I support I support you being brought to justice for the things that you do. Um, that's not a black thing. That that's a that's you know that's for everybody. That's universal. So um, rest in peace to those individuals. Um, like I said, this is a three parter. This is the the first part of three. Um, so stay tuned for the next part where we're talking about um, the intersection of um, sexuality and religion. Uh, my name is Terrence Brown, and these are the Brownie Points.